following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Today is really part two of what I talked about last week. And so if you missed last week, you can go on to our website and you can download the podcast for free and listen to that. It was a talk from the book of Habakkuk, which is part of the ancient texts that we hold as Christians. And uh, Habakkuk was a prophet and he talked about loving God in a really difficult, hard place. Because it's one thing when you love, when everything's great, when everything's easy and life is good... You know, sort of easy to love and to be loving and kind and patient and all of that when everything's good. But when it's really terrible, when it's really hard and difficult and challenging, that's when real love comes through. And so Habakkuk talks all about that in his first chapter of his book there. And so if you missed it, you'll have to get it on the podcast, but it's free. So today is part two of that talk, which comes out of a question that was asked of Jesus. Somebody came up to him and said, said, Jesus, what is the big thing about life? What's the number one thing about life? And his answer was love. That's kind of a, it's a, it's a deep answer. It's a powerful answer. And yet it still leaves one to Uh, interpret exactly what does that mean. He said the number one thing in life is to love God. Love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. But then he said the second one is equally important, and that is to love the people around you. Love people, all the people around you in your sphere of influence. Love them as well. And so I think the church does a you know, fairly decent job of loving God. I mean, we sing songs to God, and we pray to God, and we give our money, and do these different things that show our love for God. But I don't think the church does so great of a job on loving people. And I think that's the place, one place where we could really use some improvement. I'm not specifically talking about anybody here, but just the church in general. Okay? So... When you came in this morning, you got three pieces of candy. Go ahead and grab that. It looks like this. If you didn't get one, lift your hand up real high. We'll make sure you get one because you don't want to miss out on how fun this is. There's one in the back there. Bill, can you grab that? So um, you've got this here. So go ahead and tear off the one on the red light. It's at the very top. And go ahead and open that. Now, let let me just say I I do love you, and so I want to give you a little caution. When you take a bite of this piece of chocolate, take a... Uh, a mouse's nibble, okay? Uh, somebody in the first service just threw the whole thing in, and uh, it's not what I recommend. So go ahead, take a little bite of this uh, delicious chocolate here. And if you're listening to this on our podcast, then uh, I just handed out chocolate to the congregation. They are opening that now and taking a bite of it and uh, discovering what I've done. Let that kind of swirl around in there. If you're allergic to chocolate, of course you can't participate. You'll just have to, uh, you know, imagine how this would be. So you're getting that there. Is it kind of getting around in your mouth a little bit now? And that's chocolate, 100% chocolate. And it is terrible. It's terrible, isn't it? Right? That's horrible. Tastes awful. Yeah, you got that taste in your mouth now? It's a bitter, terrible taste. 
You're going, ah, why did he do this to me? Or, I can't spit this out somewhere. Okay, so grab the mint. Grab the mint in the middle quick. Tear that thing off. That's your lifesaver. Throw that in. That'll get rid of that awful taste. Say, I'm so nice. I gave you that mint. I could have just made you go the rest of the service without that. But I gave you the mint. So now it's starting to subside, okay? That is, that piece of chocolate you took a bite, that's 100% chocolate missing one ingredient. Only one ingredient. It's missing something sweet. It's missing the sugar. No sugar in that. And so it's very bitter. Very bitter, harsh. It's a terrible taste, right? You thought, ugh. That is a church or a person without love. If you don't have love, then you have a very bitter taste about you. Not literally, but, you know, you, 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 are, you are yuck. That's a church without love. It's just, ugh, that's terrible. That's something I want to get away from. I don't like that. I don't want that, all right? A person without love. I want you to think of that chocolate, all right? If you are a person without love, that's how everyone around you feels about you when they're with you. They're thinking, ah, yuck. And maybe you can think of a person you know, right, that is a person without love. And they are, ugh, all right? They are bitter. They are, they leave a bad taste in your mouth. So the big question really with this whole thing about love and this great answer that Jesus gave is, is how? How? How do you love people? How are we supposed to love people? You know, some churches express their love with the truth. And they are what you could say, holders up of the truth. They're very theological, very deep. And you hear uh, really deep expositorial messages from the scriptures about the truth. They, they cherish the truth. They are defenders of the truth. In fact, they will be very critical of everyone else outside of their sphere of influence that doesn't have quite the level of truth that they have. And they've got this attitude that we've got the truth and what you've got over there is not quite the truth. And so, you know, you're miss, you, you know, you've got some things wrong with you. You're not quite like we are. And they will look at you and they will treat you a certain way. If you have the truth, you're okay. You're good. You're welcomed. You're accepted. We love you. But if you don't have the truth, then we are going to give it to you. And they love the parts of the Bible that list all the sins because it's really black and white. We can just take that list, slap it on your forehead, and we know exactly how you fall short. You are a sinner. You don't have the truth. It's about the standard of the truth and almost feel like it's their job to defend it. And when when the world uh, attacks their truth, they fight back. They attack back because they have to defend what is right. They have to be critical and judgmental of the world because they have to defend the truth. Now, the opposite side of that spectrum is a, ch- is a church that doesn't embrace the truth. In fact, they embrace something else. Maybe they call it grace or love. 
And they'll say, everybody is welcomed at our church. It doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe anything. In fact, if there's something in the Bible you don't really agree with, go ahead and just ignore that portion. Or just take your highlighter, but make it in black and cross it out. It doesn't matter. You can believe what you want to believe. You know, what truth is to you is truth, and that's fine. You follow what you want to follow. And we are loving of everyone. We are a diverse church. We respect the opinions of everyone. We love everyone. And so everyone is welcome. And uh, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about anybody questioning you or your motives or talking to you about anything in your life because we are diverse. We accept everyone. Now, two sides of the spectrum. Where does Jesus fall in that? How did Jesus love people? And if you study carefully how he handled people, how he loved people, how he related to people, you'll become more confused than ever. Because Jesus didn't learn in kindergarten, when we all, the rest of us, we learn in kindergarten, that you must be fair. Right? Right? Your teacher told you when you snuck in that candy that one day and she said to you, do you have a piece for everyone? Because we treat everybody the same. We we uphold equality and fairness. And when you study how Jesus treated people, he completely disregarded fairness. He didn't treat everybody the same. Jesus saw this guy, Zacchaeus, and he's he's walking around. There's just tons of people, hundreds of people. And he comes up to Zacchaeus, and he honors him by saying, I would love to come to your house today and have lunch with you. What What an incredible honor that was that Jesus, out of all those people, picked out him. The problem is this guy was a crook. This guy was a betrayer of all of his people. He was stealing from them and abusing them. And yet Jesus sort of overlooked all of that and gives the guy an incredible honor. Jesus was identified by Matthew as a friend of sinners. Now we we think, you know, I don't know what you think about that word sinner, but... That was not a good word. That was not a positive thing. You know, maybe we would compare that more to like pedophile. Okay, then that takes a little bit different meaning, doesn't it? You know, Jesus was a friend to really bad people. They liked him. They liked being around him. Jesus told the Pharisees, and they were supposed to be his kind, his people. He told them, you guys are a bunch of liars, hypocrites, snakes. I mean, he was tough. He was, I got, it appears mean to these Pharisees. And yet people who were actually liars and actually thieves, he was really kind to. Never said anything to them about it. You know, Jesus didn't heal everybody. There's one story in, in the book of John where Jesus literally tiptoed around all the sick people, found one guy laying there, said, hey, you want to be healed? <laughs> the guy's like, yeah. So he heals him, 
turns around and tiptoes back through all the other sick people, ignoring them. Is that fair? What's with this guy? Why did he pick him out? You know, if you study how Jesus loved people, what becomes abundantly clear is that he didn't treat everybody the same. Jesus didn't treat everybody the same. There was this woman caught in the midst of adultery. She was literally caught in, in, in an immoral position. And so the truth tellers came to Jesus and said, Hey, she, she should be stoned. I mean, she's got to be judged for this. This is wrong. And Jesus heard their complaints and responded with, I don't condemn you, but go home and work it out with your husband. Jesus' response to her was all of truth, completely embracing the truth, and all of grace, completely embracing grace. He combined those two together as one. The truth by itself always destroys. It kills. It's destructive. And grace all by itself is equally destructive. Together, grace and tooth, truth combined together brings life. But it's messy. It's messy. John gives us a glimpse of this combination of Jesus. In John 1, he says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus loved people with all of the truth and all of the grace. It's like a, a, a person who has really bad breath. Now, now you, you, you know this, right? I'm really bad breath. And the truth says, man, your breath stinks which humiliates that person, but helps us, right? (laughs) We get away from that person. Grace would say nothing. So they aren't embarrassed. Nobody says anything to them, but then we suffer by smelling that horrible breath. Grace and truth says to the person, may I hand you a mint? Would you like a piece of gum? You see the difference? Is it grace and truth? Is something completely different? It's empowering. It says to the person, you've got bad breath. But here is a great remedy. And it says it in a way that it doesn't condemn the person. Nor does it allow them to continue the way they are. Jesus responded with grace and truth. Paul taught us that in 1 Corinthians, he said, listen, we don't love everybody the same. We we treat those within the house of God one way, and we treat outsiders a completely different way. We hold a standard for ourselves, and so we can judge ourselves and our own behavior, judge the church within. But when it comes to judging the world, we don't judge them. 
How can you hold one standard for us that God holds for us and then hold that same standard for somebody who doesn't even believe in God? They don't believe in the Lord. They don't follow Him. They don't hold to those standards. So you can't judge them for something they don't even hold up to. So Paul said, don't. He said, we don't judge them. We have no business judging the world. We judge those inside the church. But here's the deal. This kind of truth and grace, it's messy. It's messy. It's confusing sometimes. And a lot of times, it doesn't look very fair. And all of us are included in this. And in case you didn't think you were included, let me clarify, all right? You, not too long ago, used to be a complete mess. You've forgotten. Maybe it's been a while. Or maybe you are currently a complete mess. Or maybe you're one terrible decision away from becoming a complete mess. But all of us are a mess. And all of us need truth and grace in our life. If you are a truther person, you feel comfortable in that, then you're going to become more and more uncomfortable with Canyon Ridge. Especially when a gay person sits next to you on Sunday. Or if you're one of those liberal grace person, then you're going to become very uncomfortable at Canyon Ridge, especially when we get out the scriptures and start teaching on something called the truth. But if you're willing to embrace this new kind of love, a kind of love that Jesus taught about of the grace and truth combination... I think then you're going, to, you're going to be very comfortable here. You're going to enjoy what you see presented as something that you just absolutely needed. That you want. Now here's your big moment you've been waiting for. Alright? It's the green one. Go ahead and pull the green one off. Now, I know I realize at this point you don't trust me at all. But I think you can look at this and right just by looking at it, identify this is okay to consume. This is a Hershey's Kiss. So go ahead and open it and throw it in. You don't have to nibble this one. Just toss the whole thing in. Because I, I want you to taste it. I want you to get that rolling around in your mouth. Get that good feeling, that good taste. Of course, if you don't like chocolate, this whole illustration is useless. Doesn't that taste good? You see, that is truth and grace combined. There is one difference between these two chocolates. Only one. They both have the exact same ingredients. The only difference is this one has love. This one has sugar. This has something sweet inside of it. The other one does not. That's the only difference. And maybe it seems like a really small difference. But doesn't it make all the difference in the world? Isn't it really night and day? Just think how this would revolutionize your whole world. 
your whole life if you started loving people. Not because of what they are or what they can do or what they can give you or, or, or not focusing on the exterior. You know, we love people that are most like us and we don't love people that are not like us. You know, and so we look at that exterior and within a matter of seconds, we judge that person as somebody who's not like me and therefore I don't love. Or I don't need to love. And we dismiss them. But think how things would change if you began to love everybody in your office where you work. You begin to love your family members. We begin to love each other. With that same kind of love of all of the truth and all of the grace of God combined. I think it'll make for just an amazing place to be a part and an amazing power of God flowing through our lives as we begin to treat people the way Jesus said he would like us to treat them.